Good morning, everybody. Morning, welcome to church. Uh, welcome to Trinity. Happy Easter, y'all. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Hallelujah. It is um, so good to have all of you here with us. If you have Bibles, we're going to be in Acts chapter 5. And we are going to read and see what God would say to us beyond what he has already said. What a gift. And just we'll say this. Um, if you have never been baptized and you are thinking to yourself right now, uh-huh, and I will never do that. So I will continue, I guess, not being baptized. Um, you should come and talk to somebody here about um, why we believe it is such a powerful and important part of what it means to follow Jesus. And um, it's an incredible like, first step of a life of faith that could in every way be better than you imagine it to be. Yeah. All right, Acts chapter 5, verse 27. We'll read and we'll pray. When they had brought them, them being Peter and the apostles, they had them stand before the council. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you are determined to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than the human authority. The God of our ancestors raised up Jesus, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior, that he might give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A Holy Spirit. Lord, we bless you. We thank you, God, for the gift of today, for the waters of baptism, for the gift of the church, Lord. For all these good gifts, Lord, that hold us to you and to one another. And we ask you now, Holy Spirit, would you just help us to hear you through your word, Lord. All that separates us from you, that keeps us, God, from being able to see, even though we have eyes, and keeps us from hearing, even though we have ears. Will you give us, God, the grace of being able to see and hear Jesus? Even now, Lord, we look to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we here at Trinity, we preach from a very old Bible a reading and preaching plan called the lectionary. So we don't choose the texts every week that we're going to preach from. And this is one of those strange ones that sort of picks up halfway through a story. And so therefore, it's really hard to know what's going on or make sense of unless we back up just a little bit. So we're going to back up just a little bit so we know where we are and can maybe then hear what's going on. Um, so Jesus has come. Jesus has lived Jesus has been crucified, and he has been raised again, and he has ascended unto the Father. And we've had Pentecost by this point in Acts. Pentecost um, happened, and the Holy Spirit came, and the church was born. So these early chapters of the book of Acts are an extraordinarily exciting, like powerful time in the life of the church. Um, it's very new, and I suspect to a lot of people, maybe especially Peter and the apostles, it was a confusing time. Um, and I'll just tell you, whenever God is like up to something in a like really profound way, it's usually a mix of being both like really exciting and kind of powerful and it feels good and this other mix of like really confusing, sometimes painful and disorienting. And I think that's what 
these early days in the life of the church were like, especially maybe for Peter and the apostles. They had become a very big deal. They were our first Christian celebrities um, because Jesus isn't around. And so we're looking to what's happening through these people um, like Peter and the apostles. And with their sort of like rising popularity because people are coming to faith from everywhere, Gentiles, Jews, rich, poor, males, females, just this whole thing is happening. And with that, um, there's like a rise in the popularity of the apostles. And therefore, a rise in the sort of jealousy and the ire of the old guard, the existing authorities, both in the church and in politics, the Sadducees, the Pharisees. These are the people who represented the existing authority of the world pre-Jesus. They were the ones in charge. They were the ones who had plans for what people were going to do and how they were going to live and what it meant to follow God. And they had a plan for everybody. And Jesus was a huge distraction and disruption to that plan. And so were the apostles. And so there's this like growing tension. You can hear it yourselves. This is chapter 5, verse 17. It says, Then the high priest, having had enough, took action. He and all who were with him, that is the sect of the Sadducees, being filled with jealousy, arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors, brought them out and said, go, stand in the temple and tell the people the whole message about this life. When they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and went on there, went on with their teaching. So that's what's happened before we get to the part that we read earlier with this exchange between Peter the Apostles um, and the Pharisees. So just like put yourself in Peter's position. You're in the prison. The angel comes. Um, you're thinking to yourself, hey, miracle of miracles. We're being set free, you know. The doors swing open. And your, I would be, I don't know, maybe Peter is holier than me. I would be thinking, thank God, I get to go home. I get to go, you know, far, far away so that I never end up back here ever again. God has delivered me, set me free. And yet, what the angel says to him is not that. He doesn't say, go home, Peter, go to bed, take a bath, or get on the next donkey, you know, out of town. He doesn't say that. He says, go back to the temple. Back to the one place where they're for sure going to find you again. And for sure going to round you up again and probably bring you right back here. But go do that. And then something so powerful, the angel says, tell the people the whole message about this life. I love those words. And I don't know exactly what the angel meant or what Peter thought it meant, but I do know that when Jesus came and when he was living with Peter and the apostles, he at once, at one time said, I came so that they might have life, Jesus said, and have it abundantly. So this life that the angel is talking about and the whole message of it has something to do with that life that Jesus was talking about and the life that is marked by and a kind of abundance in God, full of God's spirit, animated by him, a different kind of life, a different way of seeing the world and people. It is what makes Jesus who he is. 
People took notice. He lived differently. He seemed to want different things. He did different things. It was somehow like the pattern of this world and the authorities of this world just didn't seem to dictate who he was and what he did. He lived according to a different kind of kingdom. And he came to give that kind of life to all of us. So the angel says, go and tell them about that life, that it's available to them, they have access to it. Now, I would have been thinking, really? I'm sure I would have. Go back, why even come and just gonna put us back in here? If we're meant to be free, if what you've done is come to deliver us so that I can get out of this place where I don't want to be and go to a place where I do want to be, isn't that what freedom is all about? And so instead, we're going back. I don't know that Peter thought that. I'm just saying I probably would have. What I love about this story is the reminder to me, I think to all of us, that this story, though, was not about Peter, clearly. Whoever, whatever the angel came for, it wasn't just about or for Peter's freedom. What he says he came to set free is the whole message of this life. In other words, the angel came for the word of God that lived within Peter. He came to set it free, set the gospel free, because it was locked up, bound up in them, in this prison. And that is really powerful to me. It is an important reminder to me that not only was this thing that was happening in Acts not about Peter and the apostles, even though people were really inclined to probably think that it was, but that this bigger story, y'all, is not about me and not about you, even though God loves, Jesus loves Peter. He adored him. He would have done anything for him. He did. Same is true for me and you. He loves us, but there's something that he's doing that is bigger than us. And it's really important that we remember that. I've talked a lot here in this very pulpit about freedom, what it means to be a free person as a person who follows Jesus, that there is a special kind of being free that is on offer to us. It is freedom, though, for something very particular, and it matters that we know what it is. The freedom that is available to me and to you in Jesus is for something. Jesus has died. He has risen. He will come again. All of that for freedom's sake. To set his people free because he wants to liberate us. He is a liberator and a deliverer from Genesis 1 all the way to the end of Revelation. But it is through this word of God, through this gospel, that he does that delivering. And it is really helpful. We don't lose sight of that. What is your freedom for is the question. Jesus said, For God so loved this world that he sent his only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Paul would say later, It is that you might know the love of Christ, that you would know Jesus, that you would know the love that is available to you, that you would know the love that God has for the world. Our freedom is for that end, for the sake of something bigger than us. And here's why I think that that matters because otherwise I will make it about me. And when I make it about me, it distorts my understanding of freedom. 
I will increasingly think that to be free means to be exactly where I want to be, doing exactly what I want to be doing. I will think that being free means having exactly the kind of favor that I want to have. And y'all, we just won't always. We see it here. Peter didn't. And yet there was a special kind, no doubt, of freedom that he did know, that he did have. So here's a question that I'm asking myself in light of this story that I would put in front of you. Peter had the choice to make, I think. The door swung open and he got to choose. Will I just like go back to living the way that I was living by my own authority? Or am I going to listen to God? Who, who has ultimate power or authority over my life? And that is a really important question for all of us to be asking. If you found yourself in a similar place with the door swung open, whose authority would matter the most? Whose power over you would matter the most? What power, whose power ultimately drives you and the decisions you make and what you do? I think it's something that we're meant to reflect on through this whole Easter season. Otherwise, resurrection just frankly doesn't matter to us all that much. But if it is a life lived under and by God's authority, by His power, well then, that's a really incredible thing. Because maybe the thing that we're meant to hear today is that God is relentless. He will never stop. It's setting His word free in you his gospel free in you, unlocking it in you. I think we're meant to imagine ourselves there. The word of God sort of bound up, locked up inside of us, because that's the thing, y'all. I know, and you know, so many people who are hurting, people who feel lost and confused. I mean, my Lord, the world these days, and maybe always, an extraordinarily confusing, complicated, painful place. I know that, and so do you. But here's what I also know. The same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you. He lives in you. The word of God dwells in your bones, in your mouth, in your mind, in your heart. And people really need to hear it because they're hurting, because they're confused, because they feel lost. And the truth is, for a lot of us, that word, the spirit in us, is more bound up and more locked up most of the time than it should be or has to be. I think it's the hope of what we're meant to hear. You need to be reminded probably that if that's true for you, if, you're, if the spirit of God in you or like his word in you feels locked up, bound up, imprisoned in some way inside, either because you're hurt or because you're angry or because you're addicted to power, to greed, to vanity. We act like being addicted to drugs and alcohol is so dangerous and the worst. And please, trust me, I, I'm a child of an addict. I know that pain. We got other addictions. And they also hurt. So if that's true, if we're bound up and held up, locked up, can you hear the Lord say to you, remind you today, I think as he was for Peter, 
Hear him say, I am a deliverer. God is a deliverer. He is always, the good news, the gospel of this story is that he is coming after his word in you. And maybe he brought you here, maybe, today even, so that he could unlock something. So that he could make you more free in some way. To know what it means to really start choosing him and walking towards him. Being free in that way. I think it takes a deep and profound wisdom to look at Peter standing in the temple. You have to imagine him there. He just got out of prison. He went right back to the temple. And you know the Pharisees had to be thinking, you idiot. You could have gone anywhere and you're back. You know what's going to happen. And what does Peter say when they question him? He says, yeah, but see, the thing is, I have to obey God's authority, not human authority. In other words, I live my life according to a different kind of pattern in a different kingdom. I'm free. I'm free enough to follow Jesus. And so I choose to be here because people need to hear the whole message of this life. And I have so much admiration and respect for that. I want to be that kind of free. Free enough to know that the word of God, that he who began a good work in me, could see it through to completion. Because I was free enough to say what needed to be said and live the way that I need to live for Jesus' sake. I believe there's an invitation for you if you want that. If you would like to know what it feels like to have something unlocked and opened up. And to step into something new. That's what Easter is all about. That kind of liberation, that kind of freedom. Today is my last day at Trinity, or my last Sunday at Trinity. Um, I've been a pastor here for 12 years. And um, I am utterly overwhelmed. Uh, so don't expect me to say anything either profound or um, uh, deeply meaningful, probably about that. It'll catch up to me in like three months. I've spent the better part of um, the last few weeks in a kind of a ridiculous grief fest with all of you. Thank you for loving me so well, me and my family. I'm going to pastor a very small Anglican church in uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas, which is about three hours from where I grew up. And um, we are a church of about 50 people uh, without a building, without a staff, uh, save, save one such as I am. Um, we don't have a podcast yet. I have to learn how to, um, how to push the buttons, which maybe I will learn how to do. But what I would like, um, for those of you who feel so inclined to pray, both for me and for this church, as I will be praying for you, um, the really the only thing any of us really need, me or you or any of us, is to be free enough to follow Jesus, to be free enough to make known and to share with other people the whole message of this life. So if you could just pray for me and for us that we would get to Fayetteville, I would get to Fayetteville, and I would be that kind of free in the way that Peter was, stand wherever I need to stand and do whatever I need to do to point towards this life that I so dearly and deeply believe in. And um, I will be praying the same for you. And we'll just keep doing this work with him shoulder to shoulder the way we've always done it. 
just from different places. Um, amen. Amen. If we can, let's stand together. This has been a long journey, and while we are really excited about what God has for you, our hearts are heavy too, because this kind of change is full of meaning, and things that are full of meaning are complicated and nuanced, and they're hard. And so as we hold the hope of the future, we also hold the grief. And I think it's really important for us to hear what Ashley just said about Christ the King. Um, a name like Christ the King is a, a formidable uh, name. And yet, Ashley is, is moving into a new kind of re-pioneering of a work that has uh, persisted without a pastor during a pandemic, which says something about the congregation that she's going to. It says something about their fiber. But it also helps us recognize that Ashley is going into truly a pioneering space, a re-missioning, if, if you will. And I believe that we as a church have an opportunity to partner with her in more ways um, than what she just said, which is that we pray for her. We will pray and we will also give out of our budget and out of our resources as a church, which are already there, we are giving generously to Ashley's family and to the mission of the church. But we, in partnering with our vestry, felt that it was right to do a good old-fashioned love offering. Like if you grew up in, I mean, I mean, Baptist, she's a Baptist, you know, in her, in her bones, I think, and love offerings are what people do. So we are giving, which means that if you support our church, that's happening. And yet I believe that it's really important for us to go beyond that as a church. I think it's a way to not only show Ashley that we love her, which we do, but it's a way to get behind the mission of the church. And I think that's actually a really important distinction. If this were just something that we did that was sentimental toward you, that would be meaningful, but it would fall short of, I think, what the Lord wants us to do. So I would ask you to get your phones out right now if you can. And if this place is your home, I want you to take a picture of this URL. It's not that hard to remember, but still. Um, and my hope is that we would um, do something really bold. This campaign, if you will, is a two-week thing. This Sunday, next Sunday, it started on Tuesday. There is already a significant amount of resource that's been given, and we want to see that number be a big one to bless the work of the kingdom, to bless Josh and Ashley, but also to bless what God is calling them to do. So please give. And if you can, I would like us to pray together for our sister. I'm going to touch her, but on behalf of all of us, because it would be super weird if we were all around her touching her right now. <laughs> Father, we thank you for Ashley and Josh and Tuck and Fisher. We thank you, God, for faithfulness and fruitfulness, Lord. And as we stand here, Lord, we do not presume to send Ashley out. That, that's your thing, God. What we do want to do and what we do do in this moment is we add our small but very enthusiastic human yes to your really big God yes. And we bless this woman, God. We pray, God, that you would truly make her free in her proclamation of the gospel, but also just in her mission and loving and living God among a people in Fayetteville, Lord. You tell really long and interesting stories. And God, to bring this woman back near to her home, to do work, God, 
for you is a God thing. It's a God story. And so, Lord, to see that happen, we go through the grief of loss, of letting go, of saying yes to you, God, and we do in this moment. Father, I pray that you would bless Ashley and Josh both personally and in their ministry beyond anything that they could ever hope or ask or imagine. And I pray, God, in boldness that you would use our church to do that in some meaningful way, that we would be able to send our love with this family as they do what you've called them to do next. And so, Lord, as a church, we say yes to your work. And we ask, God, for your favor to rest upon Ashley as she steps into what you have next for her. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's clap for this woman and what God's called her to do. I love you. do the thing now that Jesus calls us to do and also I feel compelled to say I think that um, I learned to do with you and um, this is uh, thank you for that gift let's pray Holy Spirit um, thank you God for the gift of the church thank you Lord for this good kingdom Jesus that we belong to thank you Lord for showing us a different way to live for turning things upside down, Lord, so that they could be right side up. Thank you, Jesus. Be with us now, Holy Spirit. Lord, we choose, God, in our freedom to confess our wrongs, to name them before you now. Help us, Jesus, call them to mind. We have sinned against you in thought and word and deed. There are things, Lord, that we have not done, that we should have done. There are many things, God, that we have not uh, yet done, that we still need to do. We have not loved you, Jesus, with our whole heart and not loved our neighbors as we love ourselves. And we ask you now, Lord, in your mercy for your help. We ask you, God, for the gift and grace of repentance. Lord, we can change. We can, Lord, be made free. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would go to work unlocking the chains that exist where they exist lord where we are bound up god would you help us jesus move towards you would you lift anger from us lord or doubt from us god our addictions from us lord that we might move towards you jesus and delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name I speak forgiveness over my brothers and sisters, these, Lord, that I love. Bless them, God, and keep them, Lord, all of us, Jesus, in your mercy. Help us, Lord, to know that we are known and loved and at home with you, wherever we are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.